Well, we are starting a new series of lessons entitled, Are We Aware? This morning, I'm going to be sharing upon the subject matter of, we are a triune being. We are a triune being. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace himself, so this is something that he is involved with, sanctify or set you completely apart, and may your whole Spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a prayer of the Apostle Paul for the Thessalonians, but also for all believers who have put their faith in Christ, that we would be aware that the God of peace, the God himself, would set us apart as his own unique and special people, that we would be completely preserved and kept unto him. And he says that our whole... Not a portion of it, but all of us, all of our spirit, our soul and our body. So we could say our whole spirit, our whole soul and our whole body. And I love the way that he has communicated this truth. It's spirit first, it's soul second, it's body last. But in many times in life, we're more conscious or more aware of our physical needs, our emotional needs, and we are to take care of our spiritual needs. And so he was saying that the spirit should have preeminence, then the soul, then the body. And then when those things are in order and aligned properly, then all these blessings come upon us. So let's define awareness or why is being aware so important. To be aware means to know and to understand that something is happening or exists. This could be situational. It can be outward, inward, seen or unseen. Awareness is where all healthy and godly change originates or begins. You know, we can't do anything till we're aware of it. I know that acknowledgement is a very important step in change, but I can't acknowledge something I'm not aware of. So if I'm aware of something then I can begin to take steps to see it strengthened, to see it improved. And those are very vital, important, and necessary attributes in order for us to have a fruitful life. And so I need to be aware, you need to be aware of what's going on around us, not just the circumstances, but the situations. We need to have a sensitivity and to a degree some discernment about us as far as what in the world is happening. You know, they say there's three kinds of people, those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that say what happened. And we don't want to be in that third category of just always being unaware, late to the game, you know, a day late and a dollar short saying, hey, what happened? What happened? What just went on here? We want to have a sensitivity and a discernment and awareness of what's going on around us. Why? So that we can help, so we can bless, so we can serve, so we can do good, so we can pray. Those are the things that Christians need to be proactively doing. We, we, we need to understand that we need to be more initiating. And there's times we respond to a circumstance or a situation. We don't, we're not always ahead of the curve here. But there are times where we can get farther ahead than when we are right now. And just by developing a sensitivity to God's spirit. So that's what this morning is really all about. Is when you understand that there's more to you than what you see. And you begin to invest in your life accordingly. 
then you're going to become more aware of what's going on. And most importantly, you're going to become more aware of him and his activity. When I say him, I mean the spirit of the living God and what he's doing and how he's leading, how he's guiding, how he's prompting and and how he's wooing us. And I think that makes the Christian life exciting. We can go through the motions of just living a very natural life and yet, We know that inwardly we're a new creature in Christ. We know we're the righteousness of God. We're not living out of that reality. We're living more out of the reality of the physical or the emotional rather than the spiritual truths or the redemptive realities that we have in Christ. And so we can actually become ineffective spiritually even though we're alive unto God. We can become dull. We become insensitive. If all we are is connected to the physical or the natural, or all we are is subjective and emotional in our decisions, then we're going to miss out on being led by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God leads us from our spirit. And one of the truths that we need to understand is our spirit, our spirit can be developed. Just like your mind can be educated and your body can grow stronger, your spirit can be developed and become more in tune and more in step with God. And that's such a vital truth for us because then that makes life exciting. And you look at interruptions as opportunities. And I know if we're in the flesh and we get interrupted in where we're going and what we're doing and the time that we need to do it and there's an interruption, we can get frustrated. But when you're sensitive and aware that, hey, this interruption might be a divine opportunity for God to get glory, then life becomes exciting. And it's more than just the daily grind and the nine to five and I owe, I owe, off to work I go, and, and I've got to, got to pay the big man, i got to take care of the little man, and, but who's going to take care of me? And we were going to discover that, you know, God's already taken care of us. He's already supplied all of our needs. He's already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, but we're not aware of it sometimes because we're just so connected to the here and now. And being connected to the here and now is not bad, but it's not God's best. It's not God's best, so I would encourage all, let's strive for God's best. Okay, awareness is where all healthy and godly change begins. The opposite of awareness is ignorance or just a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Oh my goodness, we never want to be in that position. And here we have with us the written word of God, and we can have the knowledge of the Lord. You can have knowledge about natural things, but you can have knowledge about eternal things, spiritual things. And spiritual things were before natural things. And and so when you become aware, and I become aware that there's more to us than just the physical and the emotional, there's a spiritual side of us that we need to cultivate and develop. As I said, your life is going to abound with the blessings of the Lord. So the opposite, the opposite of awareness is ignorance. And Lord, I thank you that you would not allow us to stay in that condition. We would seek you, and in seeking you, we would find you. I've given you three definitions there, spirit, soul, and body. And in that specific order, as I stated before, because we need to put spiritual things first. Spirit, 
it comes from the Greek word. It is pneuma. It's the wind or the breath of God. So let's go back to the book of Genesis. You remember that God formed man out of the dust of the earth and then he breathed in him and he became what? A living being. The breath of God, the spirit of God came into man. This is the only part of creation that God kissed and breathed into everything else he created. And within it, there was sustenance, but he gave of himself unto us. That's why it says we were created by him for him and we were created in his image, in his very likeness. That means that you and I can fellowship with God. We were created to fellowship, to have union with him. And he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You're one spirit with him. And he resides within you, within your human spirit. The human spirit is the part of our being that knows and is in contact with God. It's the part of us that believes God. It's the part of us where faith resides. Because faith is of the heart. Heart is synonymous with spirit in scripture. So when you talk about the heart of a man, or you talk about, you talk about the very essence of who that individual is, their spirit. Everybody is a spirit being. Either their spirit is alive unto God, or it's separated and dead because of sin. And that's why Jesus said, everyone must be born again. You cannot trip over that. Don't let it cause you to stumble. Or don't let it trip you up in your head like, how can that happen? Because Jesus told us exactly how it can happen. It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Don't marvel. Don't let this trip you up. Don't let it be something that causes your head to go till. You have to be born again. He talks about the work of the Spirit in that particular conversation with Nicodemus in John's Gospel, chapter 3, saying, you know, the wind blows wherever it, it, it would like to. And he's liking the wind unto the Spirit or the breath of God. And we don't see the wind, but we can see the evidence of the wind. Is that true, church? I mean, I cannot control the wind, but I can tell which way the wind is blowing. And I can be aware when the wind and the breath of God is blowing upon me. And I can have an awareness that God's Spirit wants to commune and fellowship with me. That He's beckoning me, that He's calling me, that, that He's wooing me unto Himself. I can sense that. I can sense that, and I sense it down in the core of my being. Think with me just for a moment. When we talk about the core, the heart of something, we're talking about the very center of it, aren't we? What matters most? If you talk about the heart of a subject matter, you're talking about the thing that matters most. When we're talking about the spirit of, of a man or a woman, we're talking about the part of you that is very valuable. It's eternal. It's eternal. Now, let's talk about our soul. Our soul is the Greek word suke. It's where we get the word psychology in our English language. It's the seat of affection, emotions, will, and intellect. The soul is the part of us that reasons and ponders and thinks and remembers and expresses emotion. It's your mind, it's your will, it's your intellect. The soul of man, according to the word of God, needs to be renewed. It needs to be renewed. We need to be transformed, how? By the renewing of our mind. Now, when you and I called upon the name of the Lord and were born again and born from above and born by the Spirit, 
Instantly, everything in your spirit became new. Old things passed away. But your soul is in the process of being renovated. It's under construction. And the more you subject it to the master carpenter, Jesus, then, right, the quicker the work's going to be done. And that's why man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You and I can live by the word of God. It teaches us how to live. As a matter of fact, one of the the meanings of the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. If, If you want to know what you need to know before you go home to be with the Lord, it's written in his word. And then one day when we're with him and in his presence, we'll know him as we are known. But until then... Listen, we walk by faith and not by sight. So we have to do something with this, you know, 12-pound bowling ball on our head, on our shoulders. We have to do something. We have to renew it. We have to renew it. Renew it. It means it's been what? Damaged. It's been damaged. It's been subject to this world and the thoughts of this world and really the morals of this world, the ways of this world. The values of this world, which are contrary to the what ways of God, because God's ways are much higher than our ways. His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. But we can have those thoughts and we can have those ways in our heart and in our mind. How? Through Christ Jesus. Paul writing to the church says that you can have the mind of Christ. As a matter of fact, he says you have access and you have it available. You have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ to the degree that it is in us, that we permit it. I love the way that scripture says, let this mind be in you. Let this, permit this, allow this, welcome this mind that was in Christ Jesus. Let it be in you. Even though he was greatest, he became the servant of all. And because of that step of humility and going to the cross, God has exalted him and given him the name above every name. And so we need to think less of ourselves and more of him. And we do that as we renew our mind with the word of God. Our soul is also eternal. And you're going to see this here in a moment. Then let's talk about the body for a minute. You guys ready? The body, the Greek word is soma. And you can see some, uh, I think there's uh, uh, an entire place called soma, which talks about just clothing for the body. Uh, But it's the body or the flesh. And the body is the part of our being that is in contact with the physical realm. It is sensual, carnal, and temporal. Your body is your body. Your, your, your flesh, your flesh is not your, your ally. It's one of your constant opponents. It's with you all the time. People get concerned sometimes, worked up about the enemy and, and the enemy isn't omnipresent, even though he likes to make himself uh, or present himself in that manner. He's not. He doesn't know all things and he's not all powerful even though he, he, he totes himself in, in that fashion. But, you know, he, he isn't everywhere at all times. But you know what you carry around with you everywhere you go? Flesh and the desires of the flesh. And the desires of the flesh want to work certain things. And Galatians chapter 5 talks about that. And there are things that are contrary to what? The fruit of the Spirit or the way of the Spirit. So this body just has to be kept under, has to be subjected to the spirit so i've given you a lot of different scriptural references there that i pray you go home and look up and really understand that there's more to you than what people actually would acknowledge and even maybe what you're aware of and i like 
this phrase, and, and I've heard it ever since I've been a teenager. I heard it first from, from uh, uh, Brother Hagen that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And, and when you think of yourself in, in that light, it really makes something that maybe is so complex really simple that first and foremost, I was created by God for God. I'm a spiritual being. And God gave me emotions and will and an intellect and the ability to reason. And, and he just wants all of those subjected to his, to his word so that they would bring glory unto him. And then I have a physical body. And in this physical body, which sort of houses my human spirit and, and my mind, uh, uh, then, uh, then I, I'm able to do the work. I'm able to, to reach out and help people and, and, and do services. Uh, for the glory of God. And, and I'm able, you know, to do that because I've given the spirit and the soul ascension in my life. And I haven't allowed myself to just be a carnal Christian. Now, let me stop here just for a moment. I'm just about ready to wind down. All right. Carnal Christians are still Christians. It doesn't mean that they're not going to go to heaven. It doesn't mean that they haven't accepted the Lord. What it means is they've never learned that there's more to them than just the physical. And so they just sow to the flesh. They're just carnal. They're just uh, mindful of things that their senses are telling them, but they're not aware or sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit or how God is bringing things to our remembrance by bringing it back to our attention through our mind. And because of that, they're missing out on the joy of being governed by the Spirit of God. They just, according to how it feels or how it looks or, or that's how they make their decisions. And I, I say there's a place and a time for that. But when it comes to the quality of our life that Jesus came, when Jesus said, I came that you could have life and life more abundantly, that means above the natural, the temporal, and above the intellectual or the sensual. That means a life with God of walking with him. So let's take a look now at a great portion of scripture, Luke chapter 16. And let's examine this in light of we are spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. This is an account that Jesus shared. He says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, polar opposites. You know, you have one that has the best of the best and one, I mean, who is just barely getting by if they're getting by at all. And so you have this extreme story, an example that Jesus is going to help us to understand some truths by. He said in verse 21, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sore. I mean, to add insult to injury, I mean, he's already in a very compromised position And then the dogs are coming and just making sport of him. And so here you have this very deprived and very poor and very needy human being. And there you have this very wealthy to do man who just is dressed to the nines, who has more food than he knows what to do with. And yet he's still somewhat concerned about crumbs. It tells you sort of the condition of his own soul, doesn't it? And then it goes on and it tells us something about both of these men. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. There's one thing that they have in common. They both died. 
The rich and poor have that in common. Never forget it. You were born naked and you'll go out that way, and so will I. So no matter what is going on in the here and now, whether you're on the curve of of becoming very influential and having a lot of means, or you're on the other spectrum and it feels like, you know, the barrel's on top of you, the one thing that all of us share is eternity is before all of us. Eternity is before all of us, regardless of your riches or your poverty. Eternity lies ahead. And verse 23, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And this is the account of the rich man. Then he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip. Uh, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Notice he could feel something. He was aware of something. He remembered something. There was something going on. What is that telling us? That they both died. And what happens when we die physically? To die physically means that we are separated from our physical body and we go to our eternal destination, either heaven or hell. And this rich man, this rich man who could have done much with his riches, was never rich in faith. Was impoverished in faith, poor in faith. And here he is in this place of torment and he's being tormented. And he would just like someone to dip the tip of their finger into water and just give him one drop to relieve the pain. And... He's going to receive some instruction about this. But Abraham said, verse 25, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. So one place is a place of comfort, one place is a place of torment. Which means that when we leave this earthen vessel, your spirit and your soul travel with you. They go to your eternal home. You'll remember, you can feel. And one is a place of comfort. One is a place of eternal torment. In verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, there's a great goal fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. They had the will. They wanted to. They wanted to. But they couldn't exercise their will to do anything at that time. It was too late. Judgment had come. This was now permanent. This was where they would abide eternally. And scripture tells us that. Verse 27. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, father, that you would send him to my father's house. He remembers his father's house. Here, this rich man, he's remembering all of this. And and he's pleading and he's begging. But he, he can't do anything about it where he is because he's separated from those that are in the place of, of, of comfort. Verse 28, For I have five brothers, that they may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Three different times he's just talking about how horrific this place is. Verse 29, Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, They will repent. Notice that he's reasoning with him. He's using his reasoning faculties. He's having a conversation. 
And he's pleading with Abraham and Abraham and, and Abraham is, is responding. And he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. The one rise from the dead, the one rise from the dead, speaking prophetically about Jesus. What do we learn in today's lesson? What do we see? What do we understand? That the spirit of man is the most important part of who we are. And when your spirit comes into contact with God, all things are gone, all things are become new. And if you're rich, you can be rich in faith. Or if you feel like you don't have that many means, you can be rich in faith. I think the poor person in this particular situation was rich in faith. There they were in this place of comfort. We also learned that your emotions, your memory, your ability to communicate and to converse with people doesn't end when this life is over. It continues. And then we learn about the duration or how long eternity is. It's forever. It, it is never, never going to alter. People can't go from one place to the other. You can't pray people from one place to the other. You can't do good works so one people can go from one place to the other. You can't pay enough money for one person to go from one place to the other. We have to understand there's more to us than the physical and the emotional. There's the spiritual. And the spirit is eternal. The soul is eternal. And the body is temporal. Now, we are called to be good stewards of all and to take care of all of our being. But let's do it in the right manner. So, as a recap, they all died. And upon their death, they traveled. They were escorted by the angels of the Lord. And went, went to a place of torment, went, went to a place of comfort. There they remembered and recalled. There they were rewarded, one with comfort and one with pain. That's not a good reward. But the wages of sin is death and damnation and separation from God, of which Christ came so that no man would experience that kind of torment. But it's still up to us. We still have to yield our will to his will. We just can't live our life for ourselves and then at the end believe that all will be well with God. The only way that we can be right with God is through Jesus Christ. And through that righteous relationship, then we can be renewed in our mind and we can take this earthen vessel that God has given unto us, this house of clay, this tent, this temporal dwelling, and we can serve him all the days of our life. We don't have to serve the impulses of the flesh. You and I can yield and submit our lives to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So you and I or eternal beings. You have a spirit. You have, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And God, by His grace, help us to live our life accordingly. Spiritual, then emotional, intellectual, and then physical. Let's not reverse the order. Let's keep our priorities right in 2024. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.